It's Saturday, March the 14th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump declares national emergency and America bombs Hezbollah. First, the week in brief. President Donald Trump declared a national emergency over the coronavirus, thus allowing the Federal Emergency Management Authority, the organization that distributes relief funds, to provide disaster funds to state and local governments. Spain also declared a state of emergency. Many countries in Europe, which the WHO has said is now the epicenter of the pandemic, have closed schools and banned large gatherings. The Bank of Canada cut interest rates by half a percentage point to help buffer the economy from the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Germany's government said it was prepared to lend up to 550 billion euros, 600 billion dollars through KFW, the National Development Bank, to support companies. That helped European stock markets to a partial recovery from Thursday's precipitous falls. American share prices also rebounded. Asian markets, however, had earlier fallen hard, taking their cue from Western markets' wretched performance on Thursday. American warplanes bombed targets in Iraq linked to a pro-Iranian militia. The Pentagon blames Kataib Hezbollah for a rocket attack on an American base on Wednesday that killed two of its soldiers, as well as a British one. In January, America assassinated Kataib Hezbollah's leader, along with Qasem Soleimani, Iran's top general, after events escalated following a similar attack. A judge in America ordered the release from prison of Chelsea Manning. She was found guilty in 2013 of leaking military files to WikiLeaks, but since Ms Manning's most recent detention last year, she has refused to testify about the anti-secrecy organization. The judge ruled that jailing her no longer served any coercive purpose. She must still pay fines of over $250,000 for her defiance. The British government announced that English local and mayoral elections due to be held in May will be postponed for a year because of the COVID-19 outbreak. France's President Emmanuel Macron had said on Thursday night that local elections this Sunday would go ahead. South African police arrested King Dalindiebo of the Tembu tribe after an alleged axe rampage in the tribal palace. Witnesses say that the king, a nephew of Nelson Mandela, broke into the palace in search of his son, the regent, who was appointed the acting monarch while he was in prison. He had been freed on parole in December. And the European Court of Human Rights declined to take up the case of two nurses denied jobs as midwives in Sweden because of their refusal to perform abortions for religious reasons. Eleanor Grimark and Linda Stein, both from Norway, object to abortion because of their Christian faith. They had claimed they suffered discrimination and their freedom of conscience had been violated. And now, here's today's agenda. Slay the Dragon, the history of gerrymandering. Just lines on a map? In America, electoral district boundaries are more than just that. Slay the Dragon, a documentary due to be released yesterday but delayed by COVID-19, examines the practice of gerrymandering, where once every 10 years, to coincide with the census, the majority party in a state legislature can redraw these lines in its favour. The impact is immense. The film connects the Republican-led redistricting after 2010 to today's most fraught policy questions, from tightening abortion regulations to loose gun laws. It follows the story of Voters Not Politicians, an anti-gerrymandering group founded by Katie Fahey in 2017. After a successful grassroots campaign, it secured a constitutional ban on Michigan lawmakers' redrawing of districts. 
Eric Holder, Attorney General under Barack Obama, who has worked with Ms. Fahi, says the film offers a path forward for America's broken politics. In both an election and census year, they will hope that Americans pay attention. Bad luck of the Irish, St. Patrick's Day. Put away the green top hats and auburn beards. Across the world, St. Patrick's Day celebrations, scheduled to take place this weekend ahead of the Christian Feast Day on Tuesday, have been cancelled due to the spread of COVID-19. Some 500,000 revellers come together in Dublin each year to celebrate Irish culture. They are thought to contribute as much as 73 million euros, 81 million dollars, to the local economy. Around 2 million people were also expected to line the streets of Boston, Chicago, Denver, London, New Orleans and Pittsburgh. Indeed, according to Forbes, the gathering in New York, which dates back to 1762 and now attracts 2 million spectators, is the largest event derailed by the virus so far. Though the festivities today have less to do with Ireland's patron saint than with Irish soft power and partying, it will still be keenly missed. Many will have to raise a pint of Guinness or Murphy's at home instead. Bright Young Things, Cecil Beaton's Photographs They were wild, wealthy and determined to have fun. This week, Cecil Beaton's Bright Young Things opened at the National Portrait Gallery in London. It displays 150 of the British photographer's glimmering portraits of the glamorous and eccentric artists, socialites, writers, models and musicians who gallivanted around Britain in the 1920s and 1930s. The ranks of this hedonistic bunch included John Betjeman, Nancy Mitford and William Walton. They threw parties, wore extravagant clothes and railed against the carnage of the First World War by living life to flamboyant, glittering extremes. The privileged Brat Pack was infamous for treasure hunts around London and for get-togethers like the Bath and Bottle Party at a local swimming pool, a circus-themed bash, horses joined the revellers indoors, and Second Childhood, at which guests returned to their gilded youths by dressing up as babies and downing cocktails served in children's cups. Beware of the cat, pets and the environment. Cat owners may swell with secret pride or wretch when their pet arrives home with some unlucky bird or rodent in its jaws, but new research in animal conservation, a journal, has uncovered the shocking ecological cost of what the cat drags in. Some 925 moggies across six countries were tracked using satellites, while their owners recorded the quarry they returned with. The data showed that pet cats usually stay within 100 metres of home and kill an average of 3.5 critters per month. Wild animals of course kill many more, but range much more widely, meaning that dense housecat populations are in fact up to five times deadlier within their modest hunting grounds. With around 600 million pet cats in the world, estimates of their annual kill count run into the billions. The researchers say that keeping cats indoors is the best way to protect wildlife. Whether they are as happy inside as out is another question. Infected, sport and coronavirus. The sporting world has finally confronted the threat posed by the spread of COVID-19. Governing bodies had been resistant to postponing fixtures, preferring to stage matches behind closed doors. A spate of infections among athletes and other sports professionals has shown this strategy is unworkable. Europe's leading national football leagues and cups have been suspended. So have the start of the Formula One World Championship and the top-tier tennis circuit. Big decisions remain.
UEFA, European football's governing body, must consider postponing this summer's Euro 2020 tournament. The International Olympic Committee also has to rule on whether the Tokyo Games will go ahead in July. Prolonged suspensions will cause some financial hardship for less well-off players and support staff. There is plenty of money in most sports, but wealth tends to be concentrated at the top. Governing bodies and associations may have to consider redistributive policies to keep those at the margin afloat. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Albert Einstein, who was born on this day in 1879. I know not with what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.